The following Knowledge at Wharton podcast is brought to you by the 2007 Wharton Economic Summit, being held April 12th and 13th in Philadelphia. Get the latest industry insights and business knowledge from 30 faculty-moderated panels. For event details, please visit 125th.wharton.upenn.edu forward slash summit. That's 125th.wharton.upenn.edu forward slash summit. On Monday, the country's two satellite radio services, Sirius and XM, announced that they had finally agreed to merge. The move raised a number of questions, not the least of which is whether they can get this deal approved by the Federal Communications Commission and the Justice Department. But regulatory issues aside, what prompted these two arch-rivals to embrace each other? What do they expect to get out of it? And what does a combined company mean for consumers who currently pay a subscription fee of $12.95 a month? Knowledge at Wharton asked for opinions from Wharton marketing professor Peter Fader, whom we will talk to first, and business and public policy professor Gerald Fallhaber. Pete, thanks for coming. Good to be here. So what do you make of this proposed merger? Well, on one hand, it's big news because it it will uh, have lots of implications. On the other hand, it's not at all surprising. Everyone knew that something like this was coming. It was just a matter of when. How serious are the antitrust concerns uh, that such a merger would create a monopoly and the FCC's concerns that this merger would not be in the public interest? I think it's ridiculous. Uh, in, in this case, uh, maybe it would create a monopoly on satellite radio, but given the, the breadth of competitors that they have, terrestrial radio and internet radio and just so many other ways of obtaining content, uh, they're actually a very small player. And in fact, that's one of the reasons why they're merging is because they, they can't dominate the market uh, as, if, uh, as if they really were a monopolist. Sirius spent $500 million over five years to sign up Howard Stern. Granted, Stern may have, quote, legitimized satellite radio by signing on, but was that a wise move? I think it was a terrible move. Uh, And first, let me make the caveat that I'm a big fan of Howard Stern. I don't want to get the whack pack all mad at me. But uh, from a a business standpoint, I think it was a big mistake. Uh, And and no different than some of the mistakes that XM has made as well. Both firms have been so focused on just acquiring new customers with much less focus uh, on uh, how well they've been able to retain them, which ultimately is far more important. So I think that they were investing an awful lot up front and not getting a lot to show for it. So it was really the amount of money they spend on Howard Stern and people like XM, uh, XM spending money on Oprah Winfrey and that kind of thing. It's not the fact that they're trying to get these huge names. It was just the cost. That's right. And in fact, one of the things we'll, we'll miss by seeing the merger is, is the competition among them. Uh, they wouldn't have brought in some of those names. They wouldn't have some of the kinds of innovative programming that they currently have if, if, uh, if they hadn't existed as rivals. But, it, it, but the rivalry is, is kind of fun for, for us as, as business fans, as well as customers of these services. But ultimately, to make the business viable, they really need to stop focusing on, on outdoing each other and focusing more on just uh, retaining customers and giving them what they want. You know, as, as we know, they were charging $12.95 a month uh, to their listeners to provide uh, you know, satellite radio uh, services. Uh, was it part of the problem that the rest of radio is free, essentially, and, and when you 
charge for a service that other people can get for free, it's really hard for you to build a market. Is, was that the fundamental reason why they couldn't build a customer base and why this merger is, going to, is happening? Well, of course, you're talking in the past tense as if the game's over. Uh, yes, of course, it is hard to get people to change their behavior. It's something that has to happen slowly. But I do think that this kind of business model, set aside the technology, just focus on the idea of people paying for just really good uh, content, that will win out. Uh, I believe that whether it's, it's uh, one of these firms or this, this combined firm or some other rival in this technology space or uh, from some other area, uh, I think people are quite willing to pay. It's the same kinds of issues that, that were rising 30, 40 years ago with cable TV, and you look at how that market has played out. So uh, I, I think it's a great thing. I, I pay my, my money to XM every month. I rarely listen to it, but it's nice to know that it's there. And I think that's true of a lot of other subscribers as well. And what do you think will happen to the price? Do you expect that to go up, come down uh, after the merger? Hard to say. Uh, uh, and in some sense, it's, it's less important. Uh, I think they've they got to figure out what, where is that sweet spot where people will be willing to pay kind of in a mindless fashion month after month after month. I think there is room to bring it down as long as they don't uh, do some of the, the crazy things they've been doing on the acquisition side. So I think it's too early to get into those kinds of tactical details. I'm, uh, I think it's at least important to, to wonder what kind of programming will they retain, uh, what, what's going to have to go in the process. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see how all that plays out. And I'm sure that the, the combined entity will, will not only look quite different, but will uh, interact with its customers quite differently than the, than the rivalry that we see right now. Two of the executives involved in the merger, Sirius CEO Mel Carmazan and XM Chairman Gary Parsons, say a merger would be, quote, in the public interest, end quote. Is this a credible statement, and what exactly is the primary motive behind this deal? I don't think it's in the public interest. I don't think the public is clamoring to have these two firms brought together. But I do think it makes good business sense. I think they're making those kinds of statements because of some concerns about some of these regulatory issues. Uh, I, I'm not an expert on that particular topic, but I don't see that as as, as a big deal by itself. Uh, I think it's it's just it's time to realize that the the the, the Titanic battle that they've been fighting with each other uh, for for content and for subscribers uh, isn't paying off for either one of them, uh, and it makes much more sense for them to focus on the bigger, broader enemy, which would be all these other sources of content that people currently have. Uh, and I think there's there's a lot uh, to be said for them to be working together. And I don't think there's there's any downside to it at all. Well, uh, they've, they've gone from this titanic battle, as you called it, to a merger of equals. Now, isn't that kind of the kiss of death among mergers when you have two companies that claim it's a merger of equals? Uh, most of them don't seem to work out. And, and And is this one likely to be any different? I think this one can be different, uh, and, and it's not b- because they're uh, equals or, or despite the fact that they're equals. I think it's because of, of their positioning in, in, in the marketplace. Uh, the two of them are hard to distinguish from each other. Very often it's hard for people to know which is the one with Stern, which is the one with baseball. Uh, they're, they're seen as, as largely similar to each other. Uh, and so very often uh, th- these mergers fail because it's, it's just hard to take these two different entities and, and jam them together. Uh, doesn't seem to be a problem here, at least from a consumer standpoint. It's hard to say internally how easy it'll be to to, to blend the oper- operations. Once again, the, the the goal here is for them to put together a single business model that that will be a, a credible threat against uh, all these other sources of content. Uh, and I, I see it as something they can do better together than apart. 
Which company do you think is getting the most out of this merger? In other words, who is it a better deal for? Well, XM is is the the, the older, more established player. Sirius is the upstart. So you can frame it either way. You could say that Sirius has proven to be such a threat against XM that XM had to cave in and play along with them. Uh, or you could, again, you could say that XM's the one that's been around longer and has probably a little bit higher name recognition. Uh, I think they, they both stand to gain from it. I think by combining some of the sources of content that they have, uh, by focusing a little bit more on some of these day-to-day business issues instead of the, the, the splashy stuff that, that tends to get associated with them, uh, I, I don't think it's important to declare uh, which one or, or which management team will come out ahead. I think this is a case where uh, it, it really can benefit everyone. Uh, as you said at the beginning, both these companies have been losing lots of money Uh is that going to change after the merger, do you think? Well, it ought to. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, it really is time to, to wave the white flag. I think that a, a lot of the, the losing money is because of the rivalry. Again, each one trying to outspend the other. In some sense, it's not just a matter of which content that they get, but how much they paid for it, almost boasting about the, the, this kind of thing, implying that there'll be a, a, a payoff from it uh, in the, the, the short to medium term, and there hasn't been. So I think by putting all those issues aside and focusing much more just on content creation and delivery and, and, and more mundane things rather than uh, the, what the headlines have been focusing on, uh, I think that's what it's going to take to make this business successful. Uh, again, it, th- this idea of keeping customers around for a long time, giving them just a, a great value proposition to stick with it, not just a reason to try it for a while and then jump away. I've always found it disappointing that they haven't focused so much on customer retention types of statistics. We keep seeing numbers about how many subscribers they have, but it begs the question of how many of them stick around. Uh, if they can uh, not only give attention to, to those kinds of issues, but boast about uh, their ability to retain customers, then it should be a success. Let me ask one last question. You've mentioned a couple times now that consumers have a lot of choices to where they can get their music these days, whether it's iPods or internet radio or HD radio or mobile phones. Where do you listen to music? I'll listen to pretty much everything. And part of it is I just enjoy technology. So I'll use uh, everything from uh, XM uh, to subscription uh, music services. Uh, probably most of it I would get just from terrestrial radio just because it's just so easy, uh, regardless of, of, of price points. And I think it, it's important for customers uh, not just to make a choice about which one will be their source, but to have a portfolio of different technologies that, that meet different kinds of needs. Uh, and one might say that these two firms coming together in some sense restricts choice, but there are very few people who had XM and Sirius. And so I think uh, maybe this way there'll be more people who just have that combined entity uh, and then should make consumers quite happy. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Good talking to you. Now we would like to welcome Jerry Fallhaber to the discussion. Jerry, given that you were once the chief economist for the Federal Communications Commission, what do you think the chances are that the FCC would approve this merger? Well, it's... I would not be... I'm missing saying that the FCC is certainly a political organization. Um, when these radio licenses were granted to these two companies uh, back during the Michael Pell days, um, I would have said the chance of their being able to do this merger was nil. Um, now with Kevin Martin in charge, who's certainly a political animal, and I don't think he would deny that, um, I think it's... It's not nil. It's something. Uh, I don't think it's big, but it's not zero. 
No, it's it's interesting. Uh, when, uh, when they were first granted their operating licenses, uh, I believe that they were prohibited from ever uh, owning each other's license. They were indeed, yes. Uh, do you think that the FCC might decide to waive this rule? Uh, they could always do so. It, the fact that that rule exists makes it harder for them to do so, uh, but they could find extenuating circumstances. Uh, it's... It'll be a difficult merger to exercise for them. And if the FCC does backtrack on this, they would have some egg on their face. The FCC four years ago rejected the merger of satellite TV broadcasters EchoStar and DirecTV. How is this different? I don't think it's different at all. Okay, In both cases, um, the EchoStar and DirecTV were both uh, fairly marginal financially, and they made the argument which potentially could have been compelling and wasn't, was that, gee, as a single satellite company, we can more effectively challenge the cable companies. Um, That was, in my view, sort of a bogus argument. Um, It was turned down at the FCC and turned down by the Justice Department as well, Uh, and I think events have shown that was a good decision. Uh, Like Sirius and XM, they were both in some financial difficulties. Um, and they use this as an argument to say, we're not financially strong enough to challenge the cable companies. I don't think they were right then. I don't think they're right now. I don't think, um, I think they're very similar. It's a duopoly looking to merge to monopoly. That's where we are in this. You know, Kevin Martin, about whom you were just speaking, has apparently said that the commission is going to evaluate this proposal. But even if it does, the hurdle will be high. Uh, how could this proposal leap over those hurdles? Do you think there's a chance that it might? Um, it's always possible. Um, I do not see... Uh, obviously, the commission has to evaluate it. They can't just say, no, we're not going to do it and walk away from it. They have to give it very careful consideration. They have to weigh it. And they also have to take into consideration their current position, which is, no, we're not going to let this happen. And they will certainly be aware that if they let this go through and they recommend this to the commission, that it will hurt the commission's credibility big time. Now, there could be arguments that would be brought to bear, and I suspect there will be some pretty intense lobbying that will be brought to bear. Um, And in Washington, you never know what's going to happen. People can reverse themselves, and I would say, even though Michael Powell is a Republican and Kevin Martin is a Republican, they're very, very different people. And um, they may take a different tack on things. Kevin might not agree with a fairly tough position that Michael Powell took when these licenses were granted. How do politics affect the situation even beyond that, in the sense that the two companies view the Bush administration as being probably friendlier to the idea of a merger than a Democratic administration would be? Is that one reason they're trying to move it through now? Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. Um, And it depends not only on the administration... But you have to burrow down a little further, okay? You have to look at the commission itself and who's on the commission because that's where it's going to get decided. Now, uh, then there's a question about the antitrust division of the Justice Department and what they're going to do about this. Now, even under the Bush administration, the DOJ turned down the Echostar DirecTV merger. Um, I suspect they might come out in the same place now. There is a discussion, however, that when these rules were put in by the FCC four years ago, well, we have a different market now. There are 
other forms of music available. We didn't have iPods four years ago. We didn't have HD radio four years ago. Uh, and some people have argued that those are substitutes for Sirius at XM. Uh, I don't buy that, but that's probably the argument they will try to make. Why don't you buy that? Uh, an iPod's a very different service than satellite radio, okay? Satellite radio, they do programming. They have, uh, they're real programmers, okay? Uh, and they offer a choice of formats. iPod, you're picking your own music, and that's fine, but it's a different experience. They also do not have the personalities uh, on iPod that they do on XM and Sirius Radio. And if you look at where they're spending their money, they're spending it on the Howard Stearns and Oprah Winfrey's. Okay? Um, iPod doesn't have that. It's a different experience, and I think it's a good idea. I think it's going to take a while for that market to mature. But I see signs of it developing. The notion that these guys are losing money now doesn't really concern me very much. I mean, look how long Amazon lost money and yet was a successful company. So, yeah. Uh, we, we've talked about the antitrust issues. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what kind of technological challenges are involved in this merger going through? We have two different pieces of spectrum which have been allocated. My guess is that they will continue, if the merger went through, to be used probably separately and for separate programming niches, okay? Uh, in which case, one might argue, why are we doing the merger, <laughs> okay? Uh, I don't see them trying to get rid of one of those channels. There's a valuable, that's a valuable spectrum to have, um, I don't see any other technological issues that would be there. Um, they will certainly use the same spectrum and the same receivers, and they'll have to either use both or they'll have to choose one. Uh, I, I believe that the two run on separate and compatible systems, though. Is that is that right? Uh, yeah. I mean, if, you, if you're going to use a particular radio channel, let's say we're deciding the XM is better than Sirius, um, and so we're going to abandon the Sirius one, well, then you'd move all the equipment and you'd move the spectrum You'd move everything, okay, or else you have to keep two separate operations going. So I, I don't see that what goes on at the head end of this to be much of a deal. I don't think that's too important. Why are broadcasters so opposed to this merger? They may see that a combined Sirius XM presents even more of a challenge to them. Uh, right now, they are financially shaky, and so maybe broadcasters don't have to worry about them that much. I think broadcasters have been concerned um, more for the future rather than the present about how seriously they're going to cut into the broadcast market. Um, broadcast market uh, for either AM or FM is primarily a, a radio, uh, uh, an automobile market. Okay, and this is precisely where XM and Sirius have targeted. Okay, they have been very successful, for example, at getting automobiles, particularly high-end automobiles, to put in both Sirius and XM receivers. That's the market they're targeting, and that's the same market, you know, it's the driving-to-work market that is so important to the broadcasters. Uh, they're both going after the same market, so if they see them as a as a tougher competitor, yeah, they're, they're, I can see why they'd be opposed to it. Because right now, the, the, uh, the audience for broadcast media is so much larger uh, than satellite radio. Uh, I believe even the two companies combined have just about 12 to 14 million subscribers, right. whereas broadcast media is about 90 million, if, if not, or thereabouts. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you, do you think that uh, that's a valid argument, that, these, that this could be a threat to 
uh, to broadcast uh, radio. Absolutely. I mean, look at the early days of Amazon and say, gee, how big was Amazon compared to Barnes & Noble? Nothing. Okay. Or if we look at, let's say, a voice over IP telephony. is saying. Now, there's an even starker example in saying, what kind of a threat can voice over IP telephony, which is almost a toy, have to the telephone companies? Well, <laughs> they seem to think it's a big one, okay? And it is. Um, right. Now, we always make the mistake of thinking if some new thing comes along that's superior, that if it doesn't take over the old business in six weeks, then it's not serious. That doesn't happen this way, okay? It takes a while for this stuff to migrate. Uh, we've seen this happen, um, for example, we're beginning to see some serious change out of people dropping their wireline telephones for wireless. But how long has wireless been around? It's a long time. That changeout will continue. It's happening moderately rapidly now, okay? Uh, and it's going to take another five to ten years, I would think. I would say the same thing here. Uh, getting your radio through satellite radio is a very unique experience. People that buy it love it, okay? I think that we will see this. It'll come in particularly at the high end, but it'll also start trickling down to... Th you know, the the, uh, the the small Ford Tauruses and what have you. Um, and I think it'll be much more of a standard than we see it, but it's going to take a long time. And the fact that it hasn't displaced broadcast radio in the last two years is like, I just don't even consider that a serious comparison. So look at growth rates. That's what you need to look at. Okay. If you had to say whether you are pro or con this merger, what side would you come down I on? think I would be against it. Uh, for the same reason I was against the... Dish TV, Echostar merger. It's it's a merger to monopoly. You know, that can't be good for consumers, okay? Uh, it's on the basis of, well, we're not really making money. Well, yeah, but you haven't been in the market that long. This is market's going to take a while to develop. And I view it as a market which is developing. Okay, it's growing. We're getting we're getting receivers and cars. Um I think it's happening. The fact that it's not happening immediately is, well, okay. That's what investors are for. They're buying a little bit of this risk so they can get the rewards in the future. That doesn't bother me too much. Um, so mergers to monopolies, I'm not a big fan. Well, thanks very much. Really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us today. Well, thank you. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.